right, good morning, church. Today we begin a new five-week sermon series on the book of James, and I'm excited about the book of James. I really like the book of James. I like how it's so practical, and James kinds of, kind, kind of tells it like it is. And so I love the book of James. And so if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to James chapter 1? And while you're turning there, let me just kind of uh, provide some background information. First of all, the book of James is actually a letter. It's actually a letter. It's kind of like the letters that you write and send out and the letters that you receive in the mail. And so with letters, there's usually some parts to it. Firstly, there's the dear so-and-so, right? And then there's a bo- the body to the letter. And then there's a sincerely comma and you kind of sign your name at the bottom of the letter. That's a formal letter. Well, this book of James is also that kind of letter. But the, and so, but the dear so-and-so and the sincerely comma is at the very beginning of the letter. And so we see that at the very beginning of the letter in verse 1 of chapter 1, that the author, the sincerely comma, is James, who is the brother of Jesus. And so James is the author of this letter. And then the dear so-and-so is actually to these believers that are scattered, that are dispersed throughout the Middle East. And so the question is, why are these believers scattered? Why are they dispersed throughout the Middle East and not in Jerusalem? And so just to provide a little quick history lesson, in Acts chapter 6, there's this church leader and his name is Stephen. And Stephen is a, is a godly man. Acts chapter 6 says that Stephen is full of God's grace and power. He's a godly man. And to make a story, short story, a uh, long story short, in, verse, uh, in chapter 7, actually, we find that Stephen is martyred for his faith. He's stoned to death for his belief in Jesus Christ. And so, then begins per- persecution. Believers are being persecuted throughout Jerusalem. And so, the believers are terrified. They're afraid. And so they disperse. They scatter throughout the Middle East. And so we find here that James, the brother of Jesus, he writes this letter because he receives reports, reports of what's going on with these believers that are scattered throughout. And he's a little concerned. And so he writes this letter to address some of the concerns that he has. But he also writes this letter to encourage the leaders and the, and the believers that are scattered and dispersed throughout the Middle East to keep on keeping on. And so I love this letter, the letter of James. And so this morning we're going to look at James chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me to James chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Listen carefully to the word of God. It says this. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he 
will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. This morning, I want to address a doozy of a topic. It's the topic of temptation. The topic of temptation. About a over 10 years ago, my wife and I, we were living in Pasadena and we were attending this church in Simi Valley called Cornerstone. And the pastor of this church, his name was uh, is Francis Chan. And um, he had this illustration for temptation and I thought it was really cool. I still remember it. So I'm going to share this illustration with you. And it kind of is like this. It's a prop actually. And so I'm going to wear a prop. Okay, here we go. I hope it works. I borrowed some of these toys from my nephew and niece. And so temptation, he says, is something like this. This is temptation. Temptation follows you wherever you go. Wherever you turn, there's temptation here, temptation there. You can't seem to escape temptation. You can't seem to shake temptation off. Temptation is everywhere, he says. And I'm trying to be tongue-in-cheek about temptation. But the truth is, and the reality is, that this is sometimes how temptation is for many of us. This is the reality that many of us face as it relates to temptation. And so, the question is, how do we overcome temptation one of the things that we can be certain about in life is that we will face temptation and so the question is is not will we face temptation rather the question is how will we face temptation how will we overcome these powerful urges these powerful passions these powerful feelings that sweep over us. I like what James says in verse 15 here. I underlined it. In verse 15, James says, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Anyone um, heard of the life cycle model. The life cycle model is pretty cool. It's kind of like this. Let me give you an example of the life cycle model. This is the life cycle model of a butterfly. And the butterfly starts with an egg. And the egg becomes a caterpillar. And the caterpillar becomes a, a is that, am I saying it right? Pupa? 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 Did it also say larvae? No? Okay, okay, I'm, okay, so pupa or larvae. And then it becomes a beautiful butterfly. On the count of three, everybody say, oh, oh, 
do. Okay, so that's a butterfly. Isn't that pretty cool? Life cycle of a butterfly. Now let me show you the life cycle of a frog. Everybody on the count of three say, ooh, one, two, three. Ooh, that's gross, man. So it starts with an egg. The egg becomes a tadpole. And I just learned this when I went to, I'm not going to say whose house I went to, but my friend Vince Dalbinspec's house. And, uh, and the egg be actually becomes a tadpole. And the tadpole becomes a tadpole with legs. And then this tadpole with legs becomes a young frog. And this young frog becomes an adult frog. Man, becomes a buffo frog. Gross, poisonous, don't touch it. That's the life cycle model of a frog. Now, according to James, the life cycle of temptation might look something like this. It starts with the conception of desire. And this conception of desire gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it is full grown, bring, when it is full grown brings forth spiritual death or separation, broken fellowship with God. And so you're asking then, that's nice, Pastor Thomas, nice to have a model of temptation. And your question is, how do we overcome temptation? I'm glad you asked. Good question. Here we go. My friend, um, Dr. Roger White, he's not here this morning, but uh, he usually is here. He's a brilliant and a compassionate cardiologist. And so he works on hearts for a living. And he used to be on the emergency side of cardiology. And so what that means is that he would see cases of heart disease and he would do his best to help them with their treatment. But in recent years, he's decided that he wants to be on the preventive side of medicine. You see, he wants to intervene early before the heart problem actually begins. And so he'll, nowadays he does, he does seminars on like nutrition because what you eat affects your heart. And then he does seminars on, on, on activity and exercise and motion because what you do or don't do affects your heart. And he even talks about how having a spiritual relationship with God and about how having relationships with others also affects your heart. All this is preventative care. All this is early intervention. And I love this idea, this principle of preventive care, this principle of early intervention. And perhaps we can use this principle of preventive care when we talk about temptation. And so this morning, I just have some preventive preventative care strategies for you. It's just some things that I've been thinking about and some experiences in my own life, and I just want to share these, these principles with you, these strategies with you, and some of them might resonate with you, and if it does, I would encourage you to maybe try it out, experiment, but some might not resonate with you, and that's okay. Just file it away in your memory and maybe use it in another season in your life, and so here we go. Preventive care, strategy number one is this. Swim away, Nemo. Swim away. James chapter 4, verse 7 says this. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near or come near to God. 
and he will draw or he will come near to you, the Bible says. Resist, it says resist, and he will, the devil will flee from you. So imagine this scenario with me. You are a fish, imagine. And imagine that your name is the mighty Nemo or Dory for you females. Nemo or Dory. And you're swimming around in the big blue sea. Something grabs your attention. It's a bait. It's a fisherman's bait. And you recognize instantly what's going on. Because you've seen this scenario a million times. Your foolish fish friends have succumbed to this temptation, but never you. But this time, you decide, hmm, I'm going to take a closer look. I'm going to swim a little nearer and check this thing out. And so you swim closer. Instead of swimming away, instead of resisting, you swim closer to this bait. You check it out. And pretty soon, words like appetizing, yummy-licious, succulent, juicy, mouth-watering, they all swirl in your mind. And you take a bite. And then, tragically, you become ono sashimi sold at Tanioka's Market. See, the bait is temptation. And it's very important to make the distinction here that the bait is not sin. The bait is not in the sin. The bait is in the bite. Temptation becomes sin when the suggestion of evil is accepted and yielded to. And so whatever that bait is, if you don't swim away, Nemo, swim away. If you don't resist the devil and flee so that he will flee from you, then a similar pattern of being lured will be played out. And tragically, it often leads to getting into this destructive cycle of the conception of desire, which gives birth sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So strategy number one, swim away Nemo, swim away. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near Strategy number two is this. Memorize the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this very important verse. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is why I memorize scripture so much. This is why I recite scripture to you all all the time. It's not to show off. Far from it. It's to model 
this important principle that when we hide the word of God in our heart, it's preventive care. It's early intervention so that we might not sin against him. And so I encourage you, memorize the word of God. Start with a few verses that you like. Some of you probably already have some verses memorized. Memorize more. I have my friend Michaela, and she said, hey, Thomas, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to memorize the book of James this year. And man, I cheer her on. That's awesome. And then she says, do you have any tips? And I told her this. I said, slow is fast, and less is more. Sometimes we want to jump right in and we want to try and memorize 10, 15, 20 verses at a time. But slow is fast and less is more. Start with one verse. And then tomorrow, maybe add one more verse to that one verse. And soon, in 30 days, you'll have 30 verses. But don't become overwhelmed and say, man, I want to do this whole thing. And then after a couple of weeks, you fizzle out. Less is fast. Slow Memorize the word of God. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Strategy number three is this. Fix your eyes on the master. Fix your eyes on the master. The devil knows that you and I are easily distracted. That we're not focused on the master most of the times. And so the devil has his way with temptation. But when you are focused on the master, the devil can put temptation in front of you, temptations like this, and you'll be able to overcome. Because your eyes are fixed on the master. Look at what Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix our eyes on Jesus the master and then strategy number four is this I say this one pretty often and so you all probably tired of me talking about this but this is so important find a happy few Ecclesiastes 4 chapter 4 verse 9 and 10 says this it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor for if they fall one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. We need one another. We need one another to weather the storms of life as well as to celebrate the joys of life. We need one another. I need you and you need me. That's just how God created us. 
for fellowship. And so I encourage you, find a happy few. People that love you and can, and can see and blind spots in your life. And more importantly than just seeing blind spots in your life, they're, they're able to call it out and tell it to you just like it is because they love you. Very different from having all these Facebook friends. They don't really care about you. But you know what? A happy few, these are the ones that love you. These are the ones that will tell it to you like it is. Find a happy few. And then, I got just 10 more to go. I'm just kidding. I just got one more to go, guys. Strategy number five is this. Know that God is on your side. I think this is a big one. This is important to know, that God is on your side. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, will make the way of escape so that you may be able to or overcome it. There is someone that's not on your side that wants your relationship with God to fail and his name is Satan and his, his whole goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And his primary weapon is temptation. He knows your vulnerabilities. He knows your weaknesses. But there is someone that on your side. His name is Yahweh, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is on your side. He is a faithful friend. He promises to be with you. He promises to strengthen you. He promises to help you. He promises to forgive you when you fall and when you confess your sins to him. He promises to love you just as you are even when you stumble and fall God is on your side very important to know strategy number five know that God is on your side know that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So some preventive care, some early intervention strategies. Is that a good word? All right. So let's pray 